Well, I want to thank you for tuning in. My name is John Miller, my wife, Linnell. We are pastors here in Church on the Rock, Texarkana. have been here almost 30 years, but yet our hearts are grieving as we watch what's going on in America today. I have feelings of anger. I have feelings of turmoil, feelings of confusion like most of America. But I come to you today with a message of hope. I come to you today with a belief that it is through Jesus Christ and the Bible-believing church that people of different ethnic backgrounds can get along and actually love one another and be family the way God has created us to be. We base our meeting today from Galatians chapter 3, verse 27. Paul the Apostle said, As many as of you as were baptized into Christ have, listen to this, put on Christ. When you believed in Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God placed us in the body of believers, and we became one with Jesus. But listen to this. There's neither Jew nor Greek. That's ethnic differences. There's neither slave nor free. That's the economic. That's the social. There is neither male nor female. That's the gender difference. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. You're not one because you agree with everything. You're not one because you look the same or act the same or watch the same television shows. You're one because of the power of Jesus Christ to change our individual hearts and make us one. Linnell, I have pastored this church for 30-some years. We have deliberately over the years tried to build a church that was ethnically diverse. Uh, We asked about 15 people to come to this gathering today of Church on the Rock family members. Uh, I asked African-American. I asked people from Asian background, from Hispanic background. We tried to, to get a larger picture because we're larger than just black and white here. We are across the ethnic span that's a part of Texarkana, and these are the people that were able to come and be a part of this. And what we're going to do is we're going to talk to you today about how this church family has changed our lives in terms of racial issues. Uh, This is not intended to be an advertisement for Church on the Rock. It's intended to be an advertisement and a proclamation for the thousands of churches or tens of thousands of churches in this nation that welcome people that are different from them, that be they black, white, Hispanic, Oriental, come together, meet at the cross in Jesus Christ, and are truly family. We're going to start with a good friend. He is Ron Brooks. Ron is an elder in our church, and uh, he's been here quite a while. Ron, tell us just a little bit about uh, your story. Okay. Uh, thank you, Pastor John. Um, we came here from um, Hurricane Katrina. I used to live here, and I said I'd never be back in Texarkana, but Hurricane Katrina brought us back. But thank you, God, because without Hurricane Katrina, my life wouldn't be where it's at today. Uh, when we wanted to pick a church, I, I needed something different. And I say that because there's a lot of good churches in Texarkana. I don't want nobody to get the wrong idea. There's a lot of good churches, but I needed something. And I didn't know what I was looking for. And what caught my eye, I was at work at Red River one Sunday, I mean one day, and I heard Pastor John come on this black radio station, and he prayed. Now, he didn't say come to my church. He didn't say anything like that. He just prayed. And if you read your Bible, uh, one of the Ten Commandments say, Thou shall love your neighbor. And that's what I've been searching for all my life was to find a church where everybody could come together as one. That was very, very important to me. Now, unfortunately, uh, racism is everywhere. Okay, this is not something we're going to stump out overnight. I wish I could wave a magic wand and it go away, but it's not going to happen. Racism is in churches. People don't want to say that, but I'm just telling you what I know. Racism is real. Uh, What helped me get to racism was 
when I came to Church on Rock, and the reason why I'm here was the leadership. <laughs> the leadership. You know, I, I watched the leadership. That was very important to me. What are they doing? What are they saying? Who are they backing up? Are they just talk? Or are they real? So when I seen the leadership here, it locked us in because there was many times we wanted to leave. Me and my wife felt like it wasn't black enough. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But this is where God put us. And when God puts you someplace, and as long as my leadership in place, so what I'm just to round this off real quick, doesn't matter what's happening on the outside, I know where we stand for. And then that's the most important thing. So you need to get in some place where the leadership has to be in place. And I'm, just before I get cut off, uh, I, I do this thing that's going on. I have a young daughter that graduated from Spelman, and, and me and her was at it. We was at it. And I had to do a timeout and realize her thoughts and mine are different. So, but we're on the same page now because some um, young people have their own thoughts too. So thank you. Let's go right around the circle. Karen, why don't you, and why don't you start by telling us about your husband's feelings because he was going to come. Yeah, I'm going to put you on the spot. Tell <laughs> us just a little bit, oh, just from your own head, okay. from your heart. Just tell us how he feel, feels and his struggles. Okay. Because there's one thing that I am learning in this is that I cannot fully relate to the pain that an African-American experienced growing up in a racially mm -hmm. charged world. Mm -hmm. So tell us, tell us how Artie felt, and then you can say w whatever you like. Okay, thank you. Um, for a couple of days now, um, when this first happened, the incident happened with Mr. Floyd, my husband could not even talk about it. It wasn't even up for discussion in the house. Why? Because he was hurt, he was angry, he was disappointed. Oh, it's over again. This continues to keep happening. And so we really didn't communicate with it or talk about it. But finally, he broke down and was like, I can't breathe. I cannot honestly breathe. The grip of this is overwhelming, and the pain from it is overwhelming. And I can't breathe. He said, I don't know what to do. I'm so hurt. I'm so disappointed. He said, but part of me is saying, um, I don't want to go to church anymore because no one can see me, no one can feel my pain, no one knows my pain, and no one's is of me. So I don't want to go to church anymore. He said, and then another part of him was like, these emotions cannot be ruling my life and dictating my life. He said, I got to go to the cross because my family is looking at me. My family is looking at what decision I make and which way that I turn. And he said, right now, I'm raw God before you because I can't breathe. He said, I need you at this time because my family needs me, the world needs me, and everyone that I'm leading need to see that I stand for Christ and that I am of Christ. And he said, I am so glad. He said, because I want to run from my church family. He said, but I'm so glad that my church family loved me enough to reach out to me and say, hey, are you okay? What's going on in your house? Amen. What can I do to make a difference? You know, I feel you. I feel your pain. I understand where you're going through, you know, and that has made a big difference in Artie life, being a black man growing up in the 50s and growing up with all this. The church has been really um, a blessing in his life. And to know that, you know, you guys love him. No matter what it looked like right now or how he feel, he's standing on God's word. And that's what he want to show out. 
And one thing that we've been standing on is Genesis 1 and 27. We are all created in God's image. You know, so that is something that he has really pushed and that he's really stood on. My son is an adult, and so my son has um, been in the march, and my husband has talked to him about how he should represent Christ. Jeremy? Um, the, way, the way how I feel about all this stuff that's going on, because growing up, like, my family, my family always, like, like, like downgraded, like, white people and everything. And because actually my great uncle actually got hung by the KKK. And, and it was a very, very tough time for them. And also, because, like, and but with me personally, because right now I live with all white family, and like literally, what, 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 what? Say that one more time. And right now I live with all white family. <laughs> can, can you tell me how that came to be? And the way how that came to be is, while I was in sixth grade, like um, my teacher uh, Marsha Jirasi had this club called First Priority, and it was like it was telling kids of, about God and God's love for them. And I was like, God, well, I was like, who's God? Like, so that, but that made me reach out because like literally going up, I didn't even like have enough love in my life because I always like hated people, always like had major anger issues. And literally, and she, and she was going on and going on about like God's love, how much he, how much he wants you and, and wants you to be safe and everything. So so basically, that what got me hooked onto God at, for, if, at first, and now, and now, like to fact, like honestly, with all this stuff going on, going on, like literally, honestly, reach out to God. Is God's God's love is a perfect love, because like because all this stuff, and do not react in hate. Do not react in hate. React by loving that person, no matter who they are, because because like honestly. We are all created by God's body. We are all created by God. And if you're all created by God, and you want, to see, you, want, you want to see your spiritual brother or sister down and hurting, you do not want to see that. Because by doing that, you're actually hurting yourself. And, like, cause, and basically, like, that's how I feel about it. I, I, I want to go back. And so, Marsha, when I guess you had family members that had, passed away you weren't able to live with them is that what happened yes sir yes sir because so, so you didn't have a place to live and and marsh and her family took you in their home and you still live there yes sir well isn't that an amazing thing isn't that an amazing thing we love you german and we're proud of you yeah okay we're going to move along here we have a father son that's why they're not social distancing but uh <laughs> Wally and his son are here. Uh, Wally has been in our church several years now. Wally uh, and his family, uh, I believe I'm correct in this, immigrated to America from Nigeria, came to New York, was delivered from New York, is in Texarkana. And uh, anyway, so uh, Wally is, serves many capacities. Wally's, Wally's an elder in our church. He serves on our church board. He's a licensed minister in our church. And uh, he is a, a part of our, our key leadership team. But I want to hear from you and your son, and, and each of you have a few minutes to talk. Okay. I'll go first, son. So how the church has helped me handle racism. 
the youth church specifically, I haven't felt alienated in any way. They make me feel loved. And the youth church also makes an effort to reach out to uh, those who are in, impover- in poverty and in broken homes. Um, a lot of those kids don't have parents or food, and they'll invite them to Wednesday church. They'll give them rides. And I remember this story from Pastor Cole that he, um, he took some of those kids to McDonald's, and they just ate and had a uh, regular conversation. And at the end, he talked about God. He talked about how much he loved them. And he said that a lot of those kids had never heard that before from their parents and how much it meant to them. And, and Pastor Cole, he doesn't see color. He sees, he sees their heart. He sees what they're capable of, and he doesn't let the color of their skin uh, decide his view of them. He sees love, and he sees um, God's creation in them. Wow. Praise the Lord. Well, when you, when you see the, how old are you? 16. 16. Uh, do you know any people that are just the opposite, that are violent, hate-filled, that want to stir things up and do you know? I mean, you know, they might your, be, you'd be your best friends, but do you know people like that? Not really. Interesting. Good. Interesting. You know, in life, we'll end up becoming like the people that we associate with. And uh, there's a lot of hurting, needy people in the world. And, uh, but, you know, you have godly, loving parents that uh, want to get you an education, get you some new Nikes when you need them. But, uh, but most importantly, want to shape the values that will help you see like Jesus sees, that all people are created in the image of God. Yeah. And if I would just pick up from where Tisha E stopped. So he says he doesn't know anybody that is, you know, full of hate towards the other color. And I'd say that's part of how he's been brought up from when we lived in New York. He grew up in church where it didn't matter color. I mean, it was all about Christ and what he sees at home, what he hears at home. Because, I mean, I've heard tons of people say it. Racism is learned. No one was born racist. But people learn it based on what is being said at home. So it is my responsibility and my wife's responsibility to make sure that he and his brother see the right example in us. And when we moved to Texarkana, um, we knew the population, the demographics, which was quite different from you know, where the neighborhood where we came from in New York. And, but we still felt this was where God wanted us to be, and God landed us here in Church on the Rock. We felt at home right away. I remember when we came, it was a Sunday, and then we came back on a, on a Wednesday, the following Wednesday. I remember that Pastor John remembered what I told him on Sunday. It's a big church. I'm like, how did he remember? And that did it for us. you know. So with everything that is going on, not just now, even before now, with all the you know, black people that have been killed. It brings up a lot of anger in you. It makes you wonder, when will people learn? Why will people not just see that we all bleed the same? We're all made in the image of God. But at the end of the day, you have to pull yourself back, whether it's fear, anger, whatever emotions you have, to say, what does God want from me? How do I live a life that my son, you know, will be able to follow? 
and he will be on the right path. Because if I sow hatred in him, that's how he's going to live and that's what he's going to give. So um, every day we strive to live a life that is worthy of emulation. The times that I tell him, you cannot buy black hoodie because I don't want you being the next black hoodie kid. Uh, you cannot do what your friends do. Your standard have to be higher. But it's all because I want to protect him. But I know it's only God that can protect all of us. But we thank God that we're in a church where we feel loved. This black, white, Asian. And I mean, we have never had any incidents where we've been treated badly for being black. As a matter of fact, it's the opposite, <laughs> that we're being treated with love. And that's, that's amazing. And I want the whole world to emulate things like that. Praise the Lord. Again, let me say, this is not an advertisement for our church. There are thousands of churches just like this across this great land. And we are not perfect. These folks are not hand-selected uh, because they would say the right thing. We're not perfect. We do things sometimes unintentionally or sometimes intentionally that offend people, that hurt people. But you know what? We go back. We apologize. We acknowledge what we've done wrong. We humble ourselves. It takes effort to be family. And this is what we're talking about today. Uh, I want to hear from Linnell, my wife. Uh, We've been doing this thing together. Tell me why being a part of a multi-ethnic church is so important to you. She's Italian, by the way. Her dad was in the mafia, so I, I, it's kept me on a straight and narrow line. <laughs> no, My grandfather, dad, actually. Oh, her dad's a great preacher. He's been here many times. But, but tell us, honey. You know, my, some of my best friends are different than I am. They are people that have traveled with me around the world. Karen, Anissa, on mission trips around the world. Miss Dorothy, who's been a mother and a mentor to me through the 30 years that we've been here. And my heart's been broken because I was not raised to see black or white or Hispanic or Asian. I was raised to love all people. My mom was blonde-haired, green-eyed, and they thought my dad, full-blooded Italian, probably has a little bit of African in him because my grandfather was from um, Sicily, and, and he's very dark. And in her day, when they got married, they thought he was black. He's a man of God who's holy, and his, some of his best friends are different nationalities, and he has a heart for the world. And when I came to Texarkana, I said, God, I cannot be a part of a church that is not racially diverse. I cannot be a part of a church that does not reflect your body. And I want it to be like one day when we're in heaven and every tongue and every tribe and every nation is represented around the throne worshiping. That's what I want to worship with any given weekend. And so I have had my heart broken from my friends. And I sent out some emails and it was two in the morning to send texts to those that I didn't have email addresses to, to ask them, how can I pray? How can I stand with you? But it is important to me that our church never becomes a white church or a black church or a Hispanic church, but it becomes the body of Christ. And I love flowers that are different. You know, if I'm going to get a bouquet, don't give me a dozen red roses. Don't give me all the same. I want them all different because that's, that is beautiful to me because God, God doesn't, isn't boring. He isn't boring. He purposely made us all different. I'm Italian, and I'm proud to be Italian. But let me tell you, I'm a Christian 
Italian. I am a Christian wife. I am a Christian pastor. And my definition is Christian, not all those other titles behind my name. And so I'm proud to be a part of this church and for these to be my friends, co-laborers and ministers with me in the gospel. Yeah, this works. This works when you live God's way. Uh, she made a comment. Actually, she quoted a scripture. It's in Revelation. It'll be in my message this Sunday. I'm going to be preaching on the topic. But she said, uh, before the throne of God is going to be gathered every nation, mm-hmm. every tongue, mm-hmm. every tribe. Mm-hmm. In other words, all the diversity around the world mm-hmm. is those that have become followers of Jesus Christ, those that have known him and followed him as their Savior. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Heaven is going to be a multicolored place. Yeah. Yay. And uh, Yay. I, th- I think uh, we better learn to get along down here. We yeah. may not make it. <laughs> what do you think? Anyway, Dorothy, why don't you jump in here? Be careful, don't preach now. But, <laughs> but Dorothy was in this church when I got here. She was here before me, and I'd like for her to tell her, us her first thought of me. But uh, <laughs> Dorothy, Dorothy uh, is a licensed minister in our church. She's a godly woman, and uh, I want you to hear from her a little bit. I heard my mom's testimony come out of your mouth, Elder. I heard the scripture, one blood in Messiah, when I got a a beating, a whooping. About eight years old on College Hill, walking and uh, with some friends. And there was different, we call them, call y'all Caucasians then. And we call us Negroes, you know. And I'm going to be nosy and go up there with the fight between two people of different color, but they snatched my dress. So excuse me, that was a homemade dress Isabel made me. You don't do that. The fight was on. But when I got to the yard, Pastor, Mama was standing in the yard and asked me, what's the matter, baby? And I told her. She said, okay. She said, well, what do y'all talk about? She said, what you call that boy? Somebody had said, call him a honky. Excuse me. I didn't know what that was. I did. She said, I'm not going to whoop you because she was fighting. I'm going to whoop you good because you called somebody out of their name and you don't know what she was calling them. And God made them. Out of one blood, God made them. And she was crying. I'm getting a whooping. That lasted a long time. I was born in 1945. Not ashamed of it. So I've seen quite a bit. But that that beating she gave me lasted. I know what it is to ride on the back of the bus, et cetera, et cetera. Whatever, excuse me, remember 1945. But I can look at you in the face if God was standing right there and tell you this. When you let the real Jesus get in your heart and the real Holy Spirit get a hold to you, and you read the word and let the Holy Spirit help you. He'll, he'll show you what's in your heart that need to be pulled out by the root. I'm talking about by the root. I come out of college here, Missionary Baptist Church. And I want to say some of those people watching me from heaven now, thank you for being a shown enough witness to me about love. My mama worked for some folks in Falk, Arkansas. You'd have thought she was part of the family. They didn't tolerate nobody bothering her. And I hear the bell. 
And I want to say this. When this, my brother, got here, when many people heard that he was from Mississippi, that was chocolate, they drew up. I leaned over, and I heard the Holy Spirit say, he all right. Then I found out she's from California. I said, okay, north and south, they're married. It's all right. I called him my daddy in the faith. You know why? Because if you're in a chocolate church and you have a good pastor, you call him mom and daddy. I enjoy being at Church on the Rock because we are one blood in Messiah. I, like I said, I was here before he got here. And excuse me, I used to visit when it was on 8th Street. It's born in the DNA of this church. And I thank God for a man and a woman, my brothers and sisters in Christ, that don't pretend. I told him one day, you know how come I respect you? It's because I see how you treat your woman. And you kind of leaned over. You said, what? I said, woman. And he practiced it. And by that time, she came around the corner. And he looked at her and said, my woman. And she just grinned and blushed. That's the reason I honor you too. Because you shown up love Jesus. And you practice this thing. You wouldn't know he was from Mississippi by the way he treated me. Oh, sure. Don't get me started. I'm through. But I'm telling you this. If whoever's listening at this. Hear me and hear me well, and I won't apologize for it. Out of one blood, God made us all. Just one. It wasn't no white blood. Excuse me, one blood. And that was his blood he put in Adam. So that's it. So it's a shaking going on. He's going to talk about that one day. A shaking. And everything that's not rooted in God and in the word is going to be shaking and loose. So you better get, get with it. Come on. God bless you. Thank you, Dorothy. She said she talked not only about race, but she talked about marriage. Because here's the deal. If you are a genuine follower of Jesus Christ, His Holy Spirit gets in you and affects everything. Whether you tell the truth, whether you tell a lie, how you conduct your business, how you treat your spouse, how you treat your children, what you do when you're wrong, how you treat your enemies, whether you get revenge, whether you seek to get even, all these things that float about in our culture. When you invite Christ in your life and you begin to follow Jesus Christ and read the Bible, the Bible's not just a book to read. It's a book to be obeyed. See, the Bible says don't just be hearers of the Word, but be doers of the Word. And it's as we do that, God transforms us into people. Now, you may look at me and say, well, you know, you're just this conservative 60-year-old guy. I didn't used to be. I used to be a wild hellion when I was in my teenage years. And I bet I smoked as much pot and drank as much beer as you did. But, and chased as many girls. I didn't chase guys, but I bet I chased as many girls as you did. But something happened to me. On August 15, 1976, when I realized that the way I was going was not the way to happiness. It was not how God created me to be. I asked God to forgive me with tears in my eyes. I gave my life to Jesus Christ, and I've been following him ever since. I am not the same person I used to be, nor is anyone else around this circle. I think we need to give the Lord a hand on that one. What do you think? <laughs> Anissa, jump in. Anissa came to us as a former Muslim that came to Christ. Tell us a little bit about your story. Okay, so 
avoided it. I did not get into it and start watching it. I was just like, no, no, I don't want. But the worse it got, the more it began to happen. The Holy Spirit began to deal with my heart. And I was like, you know, I have five children. I have got to show them what's going on. Five got, children? Yes. How many husbands? Zero. <laughs> no husbands and five children. You Explain that what happened. Uh, <laughs> I was a foster parent, and I adopted five children from the system. Adopted five children. So, um, and the thing about it is that I, I'll come back to that, but I realized the Holy Spirit just pressed it on my heart that you've got to teach your children. Um, I homeschool, and so we've covered the basics of uh, the civil rights and slavery when Martin Luther King Day come and all of that. But up until the other day, I had not told them anything about what was going on. And I was like, I don't know how. So I just put the TV on, and I let them watch it for themselves. And so we started with the video where uh, George Floyd was um, on the ground, and the police um, kneeled on him. And one of my 10-year-olds looked at me, and he had fire in his eyes. And he said, police are not supposed to do that. I said, I know, baby. And um, he said, well, they're not supposed to do that. I was like, I know, but they did. And so um, I let them keep watching. And um, we t uh, I didn't want to give them my opinion, though. I wanted them to see for themselves what was going on. And so I, um, we watched it all the way through and we started to talk about it and they began to name people that they knew. And they know Kelly that goes to church here that is a police officer. And they said, Kelly would never do that. Mm -hmm. And they named Zaire. Zaire would never do that. And they began to name people that they know. And so I started telling them about the way things used to be and about civil rights and about slavery. And they said, but we have people that are friends of ours that are white. We lived with Miss Amber and her family when we came back from Haiti and they're white. I said, yeah, but during this time period in the 60s, you wouldn't have been able to. You wouldn't have been able to be friends with Logan and all of your white friends. We wouldn't have been able to go to church with white people. And they were just like, well, why? You know, why are people acting like this? And I felt I had to explain it to them because they don't know God. Because when God is in your life, then you don't see someone as being black or white or Hispanic or whatever. You see them as a person. And I still remember Can you say that, one more time? that when God is in your life, you don't see anyone as black or white or Hispanic or Mexican or Asian. You see them as a person who God made them as. And so I still remember after I adopted the first three in 2013, we came up on this stage, and I was standing up here. I think you were up here. Um, the Dodies were up here. Pam and Larry Jones were up here. Uh, Robin was up here. And you looked at us, and you said, well, if this isn't the poster family for racism, you know. <laughs> My children have just as many white relatives as they have black. Because since we've been in this church, we have not known anything but love from other people. They have not had a moment in their lives where somebody has treated them differently because of the color of their skin. They've not had a moment in their lives where somebody's been 
looking down on them. They've known more love here than anywhere in their lives. Um, they came from broken homes, and they found the love of God here. You, you know, there is a, you can say everything you want to say about today's problems, and, you know, at some point, violence hopefully will subside, and there will be some solutions that come to the table and there'll be arguments over solutions. You can argue over opinion, but you can never argue over the fact that somebody loves me. And not just my mama and my daddy, but somebody loves me who's different from me that doesn't want anything from me. It's what Jesus said, called, when Jesus was asked about the greatest commandments in the whole Bible, he summarized the whole book with two words. Love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. You cannot argue with loving somebody and that's what church is supposed to be but to do it you know it's not easy because all of us have prejudices in our hearts all of us have some level of some ism or something you know that separated us we've all had bad experiences with people but when Jesus Christ is our goal and he says that for the believer we are one in the body of Christ that we are a multifaceted body, I realize that some of the people that I have been taught to hate are actually my brothers and sisters. Again, when we extol the Christ of the Bible and genuinely try to live His ways, that's why I believe this is the hope for this solution. At some point, there has to be something that's a little higher than whatever our culture is advocating that doesn't have Christ in the center of it. And it is the person of Jesus Christ that loved us so much that he died for all of our sins on the cross and gave us an opportunity to have the life that he intended us to live. Pastor Travis. Pastor Travis is, is uh, like a son to me. He has served faithfully with me for many, many more years. And he will, uh, well, he better exceed me and excel of what I've done with my life. It's what my expectation is for his life. I know him as a godly man. He's a dad. He's got three little kids. He loves his wife. And uh, I, I wanted him to join us. And uh, I'll keep the clock on him. <laughs> He's been our timekeeper. I was wondering. Uh, thanks, Pastor. And, you know, I, I come today with a unique, different perspective. I mean, uh, a husband, a father, uh, but a white man that's here today. And, and the first thing I thought when I saw the George Floyd death, execution, whatever you want to call, was um, unbelief. I mean, I think that's probably what most of us were thinking. I mean, how does this happen in 2020? How does this happen right on a camera in front of everybody? And then the next thing was probably just anger. Why is this happening again? Why is this happening again? And, you know, I know we are all experiencing that and thinking that, but I have, I don't have the perspective that a lot of you do here today. I've never had uh, racism like you have. I've never had to uh, watch going to get gas after six o'clock at night. I've never had to make sure my kids weren't playing too far down the street. And so I've never had to go through that. But just from my perspective, I mean, you could see, number one, how just uh, how this death was unnecessary, but how the community was so hurt and how people were so just torn up about it, particularly in the black community. And you know, it gave us an opportunity as a family to talk about it. But one of the reasons 
I like pastoring at a church like this and this church. One of the reasons I like bringing my three young white kids to this church is I believe our church is a picture of what heaven's going to look like. Our church, when you come in on the weekends, I mean, it's white, black, it's Asian, it's all different colors, and it's all different colors worshiping the same God. And, you know, for a six-year-old and a four-year-old and a one-year-old, they honestly, they at this point, they don't know the difference in race. They don't. Their best friends are all different colors. And I think when we have that perspective is we're all, all, we're all one. But I'll tell you the one thing I've told my kids throughout this whole process is we're in this together. And it's allowed us to, to talk further into the injustices of the time. You know, and there's a lot of things that are going to come out of, out of this movement that's happening. But if there's one thing that I'm telling my kids is that we serve one God. God cares about us. We love everybody. And God's going to make this thing right. We're going to listen. We're going to learn as a family. And we're going to do our best to help this situation as much as we can. Praise the Lord. Well, listen, I, I would just like to say in closing, I'm going to ask Linnell to pray. But I'd just like to say in closing to each one of you that I love you, that I'm honored to serve with you. Uh, I'm glad you took some time out of your busy day to come and be a voice uh, together to the world. Again, we are not a perfect church because there are no perfect people. But when people genuinely look to Jesus Christ as the Savior of the world and realize that in Him there's neither male nor female, Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, but you're one. It is that oneness that can transcend everything else. It is that oneness that helps me forgive someone that's hurt me, that helps me come back up to the plate to bat again in life if I've been neglected or if I've experienced some subtle form of racism or whatever, the, whatever issue it may be out there. It is an allegiance to Jesus Christ and a commitment to do our best to follow and serve Him that's the hope of America. And my hope for all of us today is that somehow we could lay our hurts, our frustration, our anger, and our fear at the feet of Jesus Christ and humbly ask for his help as one nation under God. Honey, why don't you close in, in prayer? And if you want to say anything in this, you feel free. So when I was praying and asking God what it was that I needed to say, I heard the Holy Spirit say that he is the vine and we are the branches. And if you know the scripture, it says, if you abide in me and I, and I abide in you, then you will bear much fruit. What is fruit? Fruit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And what I heard the Lord say is that my church has not been bearing the fruit that it's supposed to bear. And I have been coming and I have been clipping off the dead branches. I have been clipping off the branches that are not bearing fruit. And I have even been pruning the branches that have borne fruit because the Lord says this is going to be a season of the Holy Spirit where much fruit will be born. And as Christians choose to abide in me, as they 
plug into me, as they spend time with me, as they seek my word and what the Holy Spirit is saying to the church, the Lord says that you will bear more fruit than you ever imagined before. There will be greater fruit. More souls will come into the kingdom. More lives will be changed. But this is a season of pruning, the Lord says, and it hurts. It hurts, but God says, I'm doing it strategically. I'm doing it so that more fruit will be born and so that more will come into the kingdom of God and that they will know that we are Christians by the love that we have one for another. And Lord, I just pray right now. I pray forgiveness for churches across America, around the world, for Christians. This is not a church thing. It's a Christian thing. God, forgive each and every one of us for our prejudices, for our lack of fruit, for our lack of patience, for our lack of kindness. Forgive us, Lord, when we're not bearing much fruit. Help us all to uh, grow closer to you, to abide in you, to live in you, Lord, so that everything we say, everything we do is because we are hearing what you are saying. We are listening to what you're saying, and then we are obeying you. God, we pray, heal our land. Heal our land. Forgive us, God, as Christians for not bearing much fruit. And I pray, that this will be a season of great fruitfulness, Lord. This will be a season where we'll be set up so that we can grow stronger and reach more people and that we can usher your kingdom in heaven. Let it be here on earth. If we're all going to worship around your throne, every tongue, every tribe, every nation, we pray that we will be able to do that here on earth, here in Texarkana, here at Church on the Rock, here in America and around the world. And that God, we will look like your bride without spot or wrinkle. God, cleanse our hearts. Cut away the branches that are dead. Prune those branches, Lord, that need to bear more fruit so we can bear more fruit. And help us to abide in you. Help us, Lord. We love you. We love you. And I pray for all my brothers and sisters that are hurting that are in pain, that are confused. I pray, God, put your arms around them. Let them know that you love them. Help your body to go and put our arms around them, to support them, to love them, to embrace them, so they know they're not in this alone. Whether we're black, white, Hispanic, Asian, it doesn't matter. But let us, Lord, link arms with those that are hurting and help us to be your body. Amen. In Jesus' name. Amen. I believe you have a little preacher in you there, girl. <laughs> Thanks so much for taking these few moments to hear the hearts of people that love God and making it work here in Texarkana, USA. Before you move on, let me ask you to share this with somebody that needs to hear it. There's a lot of people out there. We love you and God bless you.